Guys, good Monday afternoon. I'm Jerry Miller. Welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. It's great to connect with you guys through the I Love Seville network, a show presented by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Take a look at the screen and you'll see some headlines we'll cover today. I also want to pass along some firsthand experiences from over the weekend of enjoying some beverages on the town, some food on the town, and a Super Bowl party over the weekend. Today's show is interactive where you, the viewer and listener, can help shape the conversation by leaving your comments in the feed. Today we'll talk about the challenges Manhattan and the Big Apple are facing from a hybrid um, economy. Folks aren't going to the office as much, and as they stay home and work remotely, the businesses around um, densely populated office epicenters, worker epicenters, are struggling and suffering. That got me thinking about Charlottesville. How many businesses in the Charlottesville area are struggling because of this hybrid phenomenon that's transpiring? We'll talk about that on screen. This is based on a Bloomberg report, and I'll give you some data. According to Bloomberg in New York City, hybrid work is costing the Manhattan economy about $12 billion. Each Manhattanite spends about $4,700 less per person because they're working from home as opposed to going into work and then spending some disposable income on coffees, on lunches, on happy hours. I talked about this with my wife, and she says that's very much a, very much a, a phenomenon. Um, when she was working in finance in the Big Apple, not only were they going for coffee breaks, but for lunch breaks, but often after work they were heading as a team to happy hours to further that sense of solidarity. Now that folks are working remotely through an internet service provider, that, that solidarity just is not there. So folks are spending less um, at happy hour coffees and lunches. We'll see if we can extrapolate that from a Charlottesville standpoint on today's show. A lot we're going to cover on the program, including Virginia's victory against Duke um, at the John Paul Jones Arena. Sam Brunel is done with basketball for this year, but she will return for a fifth year in Charlottesville. And Rondé Barber elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This show is ready to, uh, is ready to rock and roll. I want to talk about uh, last night's Super Bowl party. Um, at the Super Bowl party last night, I was talking to one of my oldest friends. And someone I've known for heck, close to 20 years. And I found out yesterday at the Super Bowl party that my buddy, who is, I don't know, 66, 67, his wife, similar age, they're going to move this summer. Five generations, a home in Fry Springs, the neighborhood. Now they're going to head to South Carolina, to uh, Kiowa, South Carolina. Um, and I asked him, why are you moving? Why are you moving? Why are you moving? He goes, look, I just can't afford Charlottesville anymore. The taxes are getting so expensive of my home that's been in my family for five generations. I need to find another path, another, another home to live in for my family. So we're going to sell our house and we're going to move to South Carolina. And he, he knows he's, he's sitting on a gold mine in Fry Springs, um, a neighborhood that's close to everything. Uh, walking distance to parks, to trails, to restaurants, to the University of Virginia. Um, and he's going to take the money after selling his house <coughs> and head to South Carolina. And I said, well, have you considered the tax program where you can potentially <coughs> appeal your taxes? And he said, we have. He goes, we have so much equity in our house, it doesn't apply to us. So... 
I'm just sitting here scratching my head thinking, wow, this is the def definition of uh, gentrification. Here's a guy <coughs> who is Charlottesville through and through and can't afford to keep his house. Um, just retired, and it made me sad. It made me sad because I'm not going to see my buddy as much. <coughs> it made me sad because I know this is happening, happening to other good people in this community. And I'm left scratching my head wondering what we can do about it. Um, and I don't think we have an answer. I don't think we have an answer of what we can do about it. And I actually don't think at this time this is the government's, local jurisdiction's fault for this. Home values are just spiking so incredibly fast that when assessments come out, they're going to go up. And when they go up, folks on fixed incomes can't afford to stay where they want to live. And when that happens, your community starts to change and, and, and look and feel and how we talk and how we walk and how we carry ourselves. And it's no secret that we have folks coming in here sprinting, able to work remotely, <coughs> working with, with companies outside of this community and earning paychecks outside of the community and striving up the cost of living here. So I said to my buddy, I go, How, how's that make you and your family feel? And he said, we're bummed. He goes, my kids live here. My grandkids lived here. But what do you want us to do? Every year, our assessments and our taxes are going up on where we live. We don't want to move in with our kids. We're 65, we're 67 years old. What are we supposed to do? So what they're going to do is they're going to sell a Fry Springs home, take the money and go to a state that has a lower cost of living from a rooftop standpoint. They know in Fry Springs that their home can sell right away. They are fielding offers on their house constantly, have been for years because of its location. To their credit, they're going to get a big bag of money. It's going to help them from a retirement standpoint. I said, who do you think is going to likely buy your house? He goes, it's not going to be someone from the area that will. It's going to be someone from outside the area most likely. Because our other friends are in a similar position. Guys, this is such a real phenomenon, this thing we call gentrification. Um, and I think... We're eventually not going to be able to even see a town that we remember anymore. Take what's happening in Manhattan. And I'll weave Judah Wickhauer here in a matter of moments, the director of this show. Bloomberg had a story out today. And Bloomberg said office workers are spending 30% less time in offices. And because office workers in Manhattan are spending about 30% time less at their desk... The businesses around their office buildings are um, struggling a little bit more. The Manhattan ecosystem, $12 billion less every year since the pandemic. I'll read it verbatim for you. The shift to remote work in Manhattan means the island's office workers are spending about $12 billion less every year than they did before the pandemic, according to Bloomberg News. Workers are spending about 30% less time in the office, which has cut their annual near-the-office spending on food, entertainment, 
by an average of 4,700 per person. So I, I wanted to localize this to Charlottesville. How many of the businesses around the downtown mall, and I think downtown Charlottesville is probably your most densely populated office epicenter, if you may. I mean, I guess UVA is number one. Downtown's probably two. I mean, heck, this could be why you see so many empty storefronts on the UVA corner. In part, certainly the rising rents. How many of the businesses around the downtown mall are struggling because of this hybrid scenario? Why don't we weave Judah in the mix on this and we can banter back and forth? I think it's no secret, Judah, that hybrid work is going to become more the norm and more popular. I think we're at one of those times where as technology becomes more robust, um, you're able to be more effective working from your living room, your kitchen table, your basement, whatever it may be. Um, but one of the things we haven't highlighted is the impact it has on the small business around the office building. Mm-hmm. We see the Bagby's, we see the Blue Ridge Country Stores, the, Cre- the Christian's Pizza, the Vita Novas, the Revolutionary Soups, the Dumpling Shops. How much business do you think, if, if the average Manhattanite is spending 4700 per person less, and according to Bloomberg, $12 billion less per year since the pandemic because people are staying at their house, we know Charlottesville's not at that clip, but we could probably guess it's considerably lower. Remember when we were working in the professional center, my mentor's building, Bill Nichman's building, you see all those willow tree workers walking around with their hoodies on? We don't see them as much anymore. Granted, they're in Woolen Mills now, not on the downtown mall. Mm -hmm. What do you make of this? Where do you want to start? Well, I'm curious about the, uh, I'm I'm curious about those numbers and how much is actually due to people working from home <clears throat> and how much could be attributed to the fact that uh, the last the last two and a half years have been uh, extremely painful for a lot of people i don 't know that uh, and i 'm sure that some of some of those numbers are true that some of the um, some of the money that 's being lost to businesses around uh, around Man- Manhattan is due to people you know working from home. But I think a lot of those people, if they had the money, would still be ordering food for delivery, would still be going out from their homes and, uh, and hitting up stores and restaurants closer to home, just changing, you know, changing where you spend the money rather than uh, outright not spending it. So I wonder how much of that is actually because of, uh, <clears throat> because of people having less money to spend. So you attribute it to the economy, you attribute it to headwinds like inflation, not necessarily hybrid work. I think part of it's that. Yeah. And um, what was it? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I'd heard something else about um, uh, the way people spend money and uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah, I think that uh, I think a big problem is just that we've had uh, runaway inflation. 
We've had the government printing money hand over fist. We've had, uh, you know, we've had serious problems. And I think a lot of people have cut back on their spending. And it has less to do with hybrid work and more to do with... And think about... This is what I remember. Uh, think about... Hybrid work has... I don't even know if it has as much to do with uh, technology as it has to do with uh, people realizing the fact that they can be more uh, a lot for a lot of jobs. Um, obviously, we can't do this from home, but uh, a lot, for a lot of people, whatever they could do at work, they can do just as well at home. They uh, save money on commutes. They save time on commutes, and they can be just as just as productive, if not more so, from the the comfort of their own home. But what's that going to do to like? What's that going to do to human interaction, human connection? What's that going to do to society? What's that going to do to like screen time immersion? People are just going to turn into these like shadows of their former selves, where all they do is interact via screen with others. I mean, I'm already seeing that with kids. That's a terrible world. The alternative, I mean, for most people, I mean, basically you're saying that you think office culture is better than working from home because they get some interaction. But is that really, uh, is that really a fair assessment? I mean, okay, maybe not. Some pe- people would agree or disagree on this. A lot of, I'm sure some folks would rather, you're an introverted person, right? You've said this openly some on the pe- show. Some people would love to, to go, to be back in the office. Some people... I'm an extrovert. If I had to work at my house all the time, I'd go crazy. I'd hate life. But imagine if I if- wasn't around other people, I would absolutely hate life. You have indicated on the show, so I'm not speaking out of turn, that you're introverted. You don't mind staying at home, and you can go days without seeing people and be fine. You've said that on the show. Multiple okay. times you've said that. Right? I mean, I don't specifically remember saying that. I mean, that, you, but- do, do, you do go... You know. Yeah, I mean, I'd want to see people. I'd go to the store. I'd go and do things. I'd go to restaurants. But, yeah, it's not going to bother me to not have to come into an office every day. Yeah, for me, the first thing I want to do, even on the weekend, is to go hang out with my friends. You know, go play squash, golf, you know, whatever it may be. Walk downtown with people. Go to the brewery. See people. Immediately from day one, I want to be around people. Immediately when I wake up, I want to be mm-hmm. around people. I, I, I crave that. And, and we'll peel this, um, these layers to the onion off um, from a Charlottesville standpoint. Like, take downtown. I'd be curious if we pulled um, the lunch offerings downtown, like the Country Store or Bagby's or Wilson Ritchie's Revolutionary Suit. I'd be curious to see what the um, drop in headcount is at these businesses since the pandemic with hybrid work. Now, right. you, I think your point's fair that maybe some of the spending and cutting back on spend, 4700 less per year in Manhattan, according to Bloomberg per person, could be tied to the fact that the dollar's not going as far. I think that's a fair point. Great point by you. That's why I have a hard time with those numbers. Like, how did they arrive at those numbers? How are they deciding that this is all based on hybrid, you know, hybrid work rather than you know, other factors? But you're, you're, you would be more likely to go to happy hour after work if your guy sitting next to you in your cubicle or by you at your desk, the guys and gals said, come on, let's go, Judah, let's go to happy hour. 
as opposed to you working hybridly from your house off of uh, Ryle Road by yourself, no one's going to be able to persuade you to go to happy hour then because you're not next to them. That's fair, but what if what if it just changed the composition of those types of things? What if instead of uh, instead of you go, walking out the the door with your coworkers and heading to a bar, what if you're just going to a different bar that's in your neighborhood and you're calling some friends and being like, "Hey, man, I've been stuck inside all day at home. I need to get outside. Let's go. You know, let's go hit. Uh, you know, Bobby's on, Bobby's on the corner." Yeah, devil's advocate. That's a fair point. I'll counter that point. Um, having the close proximity to people is going to create activity as opposed to having to wrangle people up that aren't next to you um, in the room. You're saying everybody's sitting at home in their pajamas, and so it might be less, uh, less simplistic to, to get Just people walk to out go the door and you. go next door to the bar. Don't you think? You're saying if they were at work, they could just walk out door and walk out the door and go. Yeah, they're already dressed. They're already ready to go. They just went through a day of uh, battling in person together, and now they're going to go. Now they're going to go to the bar and have some fun. I mean, I, I, I'd be curious if we talk with the owners of uh, these businesses, and you know we do. Um, Jamie Turner, I'll get you your comments here in a matter of moments. why what impact this has on their business i would almost think that they would actually have more time and availability for stuff like this working from home because if you think about it a lot of people uh, we don't have i don't think we have quite the same problem here in charlottesville but a lot of places have pretty big commutes i mean imagine having to get on a get on a train or a subway or some other, or just get in your car and drive or ride for a half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour. I mean, if you're doing that twice a day, that's a, that's a big portion of your day. And uh, I find it hard to believe that people are, you know, people who are making long commutes are just stepping out the door of work at the end of the day and uh, going to the bar and, you know, spending money. I mean, you think Bloomberg's making these numbers up? No, I don't think they're making them up. I just, like I said, I question, I question how they're coming to those numbers. Uh, are they just taking how much money? It's probably uh, based on sales receipts at the end of the year collected by the jurisdiction. But that, that's not proof that this is all based on hybrid work. That's just lost a, a money. A contributing factor. I'm sure it is a contributing factor, but just because it's a contributing factor doesn't mean it's the reason why people are spending $4,000 less per year. $4,700. Yeah. I think, I think it's in part what you're saying. It's, it's the, the dollar's just not going as far as it did. And I'm not saying that that's all of it. I'm just saying that, uh, it's, it's easy to, it's easy to, massage some numbers and tell the story that you want to tell and if somebody wants to tell the story that hybrid work is is killing uh killing the american economy i don't think it's killing the american economy i think it's killing it's killing a small a portion of small businesses in america i think hybrid work if we're not careful is going to have a much greater impact on a local mom and pop bar or a local mom and pop sandwich shop than it will a corporate chain 
possibly. Uh, a chain's going to have, like, as we've identified, more economies of scale and deeper pockets to withstand um, customers not coming in, where a small little guy is not going to have those resources. That is true, but we've been seeing some some big bigger businesses uh, closing their doors around here recently. We've also seen bigger businesses around here open, and we've seen the smaller businesses close at a greater clip than the bigger bigger businesses have closed. I mean, I mean, take the UVA corner. You got big businesses opening, small businesses closing. What did Scott say about the UVA corner? Scott's in. Do you recognize the UVA corner? No, I do not. Do you go downtown to UVA? Do you go to UVA corner? Do you like what you see down there? Yeah. But again, that's... Uh, Scott Aaronworth's in studio, by the way, before he goes home. Are you going home today? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. He's going home today. Tomorrow. But again, that doesn't necessarily tell the full story. How much of, how much of the small businesses leaving are due to the... You mentioned this before as well. The, uh, uh, the high rents are a contributing factor. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, I mean, if you take the corner, I think you got obscenely high rents... You also have the phenomenon of a few people owning the corner. And when a few people own the corner, there's not much competition from a rent, pr- rent uh, price standpoint. Yeah. Um, you also have the phenomenon of UVA students not having to just stay on the corner. They can go, thanks to Uber and iPhones, they have much more of a Charlottesville playground than when I was in school there. All we had was the corner. That's all we knew. In fact, there was a little bit of fear for us to even leave the corner because we weren't sure what what the rest of the town had for a UVA student. Um, In hindsight, it sounds crazy, but that was the mindset. Um, Talked to some of our our buddies on the downtown mall that are small business owners, and they say, we just don't have the lunch rush we once had. Yeah. So I guess here's the thesis. Here's the overall question. If... Hybrid work, and I think we're both in agreement that hybrid work is going to become more the norm as technology advances and makes hybrid work easier. If hybrid work becomes more the norm and people are working from their house more often, who's impacted the greatest by that? The chain business or the small business owner? I think the small business owner that's on the supply chain of an office building, whether it's the coffee shop, the food cart, the sandwich shop next door, the guy that's the one unit owner, the mom and pop, is going to be impacted much greater than the multi-unit owner. We're in agreement with that. What do you mean multi-unit owner? Chain. Oh, yeah. Chain's multi-unit. Right. I mean, I don't know that they're going to get. They'll be affected less, but they may have more resilience. That's so they're impacted less. They have more resilience. They're impacted less. You just said that, right? As a as a whole, yeah. But individually, I mean, like I said, we're still seeing. Like, I'm kind of surprised by how many like uh, Burger Kings and uh, and Wendy's and other you know big name places are shuttering their doors yeah but those they are closing but they're also look at like mcdonald's earning report they're talking about how many locations they're going to open globally and nationally it's they're opening 
they have, they, they're experiencing headwinds. How they, how they navigate headwinds is very different than a mom and pop. Um, Jamie Turner's watching the program. He thinks, uh, he says this, I think the environment has changed, so the business owners need to innovate and figure out a way to capture the revenue that they lost due to the hybrid environment. Obviously, that's easier said than done. I, Jamie, I agree with that concept 100%. How, does the, how do they do it? Is it by utilizing DoorDash more? Is it by utilizing delivery services more? I don't know about you guys, but I'm not crazy about the delivery services. Yeah. I know they gouge the mom and pops. And do you guys, the food often comes cold. Like, you get the food from a DoorDash or one of these delivery services. They could, it, be, they could be picking up five or six orders. They stack orders. Five or six different restaurants. For and, efficiency. Yeah. yeah. So the food comes, even if you and I went to go pick up food, say you and I went to go pick up, say, sushi at Now and Zen. My wife did this last week, mm-hmm. right? Us picking up sushi at Now and Zen, we can do it faster than if DoorDash delivered it to us. Yeah. Because they have to pick up three or four orders on the route to make it worth their while. So by the time that sushi gets to us, and I don't know about you, the last thing you want is it to sushi to linger in a box longer. You want to eat it right when it's made. Yeah. You know? I guess I can, I, I'm worried. We still don't know what the collateral damage of COVID is going to be. No. I'm worried that as we figure out what it is, that um, we're going to look back and be these businesses that were tied to that office building. And I'm just talking hypothetically. These businesses that thought they signed a great rent, a great lease, a great terms um, to open a business, a sandwich shop next yeah. to this office building. Maybe it wasn't so great because of COVID because these folks get to stay home more. Yeah. And I don't even know what the solution to that is. Do you? I don't either. And I don't, I think, you know, we, we talked a lot about pivoting and, uh, and changing the way we do things. And some of it's from COVID. Some of it's, just, I think, the fact that we are in a changing environment. I mean, you know, we've, we also talk about McDonald's and other places doing, like, doing business without, uh, without workers, robots, or kiosks, we- or whatever. That's not just because of COVID. We're getting to the point where technology is, is uh, becoming available that allows those things to happen, and I think we're going to see more of that in a way that's really that's really tough but at the same time it might be a good thing what about you know what happens when uh when technology enables us to get rid of jobs that nobody wants to do Eventually, we were at McDonald's my 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 son loves the uh, I'm not a huge fan of McDonald's my son just loves the sausage biscuit we went on Sunday morning cuz he wanted a sausage biscuit and it was the McDonald's at Pantops on, uh, where is it, kind of by Dardentown Park. Yeah. There were two people working in the entire McDonald's. Two. There's one person taking orders and then one person in the back of the house. That's all they had. I don't see how that's sustainable. Um, but the technology is going to make it uh, that it is sustainable. Um, guy who owns Bagby's. We love Bagby's, right? Yeah. I love Bagby's. 
I love, my wife loves their cookies. I love that it's uh, father-son work on the counter. Mm-hmm. He told me his wife bakes the cookies. I think some of the best cookies in town are the Bagby's cookies. Yeah. She, she uses a lot of butter on those cookies. Traffic is down. I mean, traffic is down on the downtown mall. Traffic is down on the downtown mall in general. How much is that down traffic? What's going to happen if these buildings all around downtown Charlottesville continue to go more hybrid? How is a guy like this, how's, how's Bagby's going to continue? They're not open for dinner. Right. They're open for lunch. Nook isn't open for dinner any longer either. It's the only shift. Yeah, there's a good example there. How are they going to stay open? I don't know. Uh, and do we just then get left with storefronts that end up getting so vacant that the landlords get desperate that then they, they say, all right, I understand this is the downtown mall, but I need to get a tenant in there because the taxes are eating me up owning this real estate. I'm just going to put a big chain in there. Is that what's going to happen? I mean, I would imagine... I mean, that's what's happening on the corner. I would imagine if they're not getting lunch crowds because, and it's specifically because of hybrid work, then maybe dinner is a, is a better option. Uh, if, uh, but there's clearly something going on on the mall, and I don't think we can say that it's all because of hybrid work. I don't think there's enough... I don't think there's enough hybrid work in Charlottesville to... I agree with that. To, to... Diminish demand downtown. Yeah. I mean... We've, I think we've, downtown's we've a, talked about, we've a talked brand about, problem. We've talked about some of the, uh, the violence that's occurred on the downtown mall. We've talked about some of the uh, harassment people have received from, uh, from people on the downtown mall. Uh, we've talked about the fact that... Uh, there was no uh, first night Virginia. Uh, then you've got obviously COVID, and you've got people with less money. There are so many different, uh, you know, contributing factors. I think to uh, the decline of people on the downtown mall, um, and I would imagine it's the same in a lot of other places as well. And that's the main reason why I question that uh, that statistic. That all of that. The uh, $4,700 per person is associated per year with hybrid. Is all because of hybrid work. Well, um, I have been a small business owner for 15 years in May. And we work with a ton of small business owners, as you know. This may be the most difficult period of time for them. Yeah. I don't see how a small business owner that is going to tie his or her business to a lunch rush or a breakfast rush or a coffee rush around an office complex is going to be building a sustainable model long term unless they were somehow able to automate it with like some kind of um, kiosk robot doing that selling of the goods. Or find a way to draw more people in. What are your ideas with that? I mean, it could be, uh, it could be door hangers. It could be uh, special deals on, you know, get a... Do you use DoorDash? Uh, I don't even know what I use. Uh, Uber Eats, probably. 
I'll occasionally order from uh, from like Fabio's or uh, Red Lantern, and uh, yeah, I don't, I couldn't say with a hundred percent certainty which service it is that ends up bringing us the food. Um, and you know, I would much prefer if there were a local, you know, a local business that took that up. But uh, you know, when you're uh, when you want to order some food, what are you going to do? And Scott says inflation's killing small business. I certainly agree with that. Um, Bill McChesney says, what if the county had moved the courthouse from downtown? Yeah, that would, that would devastate it. That would have devastated downtown. Much of the uh, traffic during the daytime is tied to the courthouse. Um, attorneys and, and, and folks working in and around the courthouse. And at one time, that was being considered. Uh, Lisa Costello says, you're rolling right now. You're on fire. I agree he's on fire right now. Look, I, I'm worried about the folks that opened up shops, open up businesses around densely populated areas during daytime hours because they wanted to scoop up that traffic. I own an office building myself, and I do not think the future of class A is super great. Ours is executive office. I think the future of executive office is strong because folks are still going to need a space to meet people. And some of the folks that we work with, some of the folks that rent from us are doing stuff that cannot be done via screen. A dentist, yeah. physical therapist, right. chiropractor, mm-hmm. massage therapist. I mean, those are the type of people that are doing stuff with us. Yeah. Even even the therapist, like, eventually the therapist is going to be able to do it really, really well through a screen. But right now, a lot of therapists and their clients find the therapy sessions impersonal that are done through a screen. Yeah. I mean, it might, it might be that we start to see the complexion of, uh, of our cities change. And they might start to, you know, mom and pop uh, businesses and... Uh, and maybe especially uh, food stores, food uh, you know eateries, restaurants start to. I mean, look at uh, uh, what it, what would be the new draw? Let's just take a crystal ball and say if we can go into the future. What's going to be the new draw for the coffee shop or the bar or the lunchtime spot if you're trying to open that type of business? Neighborhood. Yeah, is it, is it, is it the at, neighborhood? Look at Belmont. How many people would love to live in Belmont? Walk to Bell. Walk yeah. to Tavola. Yeah. You've got some great little places there, and it's, and it's perfect. What if we start seeing more neighborhoods like that where uh, you've got these little, you know, these little places that uh, cater, by and large, to the surrounding neighborhood, but also draw, you know, also draw people from throughout the city? I like that. Is the neighborhood going to be the new office building? Yeah, I mean, it could be. It could be a great thing. There could be more, you know, more uh, neighborhood barbecues. More like you talked about. Uh, what are you going to do when you're working hybrid, and uh, and you miss, you know, you miss your coworkers. I mean, I don't know how many people actually like their coworkers, much less miss them. But at the same time, yes, there is still that loss of uh, of personal uh, interaction. 
and maybe uh, maybe our, our neighborhoods start to become more uh, more close knit. And I would see that as a good thing. I mean, the the more you know your neighbors, the more you're uh, the more you're aware of of the good and the bad that's going on in your neighborhood, and the more you're able to help people when they when they get into trouble. Do you think people like their neighbors more than they like their coworkers? You know what they say: good good fences make good neighbors. Tomato, uh, tomato. But you don't have to spend uh, you don't have to spend eight hours a day sitting in the same room with your neighbor as he cracks jokes that you really don't find funny or uh you know as as he as your uh coworker uh clearly is the person who's uh who's stealing your you know the lunch that you put in the fridge this morning do you put lunch in the fridge i don't but a lot You're of talking people- the hypotheticals yeah well, I, what's, what would that do then to the downtown mall? It might open it up. I so mean, what, and what would it become? Well, I just mean, imagine if, uh, imagine if parking was a lot easier. Parking's not a problem. We both know parking's not a problem downtown. It can be. I, I've been coming downtown for 23 years, never had a problem finding parking. More a branding problem than a parking problem. But finish your thought. Go yeah. ahead. Go that's, ahead. Finish your thought. That's fair. But as a branding problem, if uh, if somebody sees it as a problem or doesn't want to deal with it, then that's uh, you know that's a person that's not coming to the downtown mall. And if they can find what they need somewhere else, uh, I don't know. You might maybe you're right. Maybe there's no problem with parking to get to the downtown mall. Uh, but. Uh, if you're just tuning into the show, this is what we're talking about. Um, Manhattan, there's a, a report according to Bloomberg News, $12 billion less every year in spending since the pandemic. $12 billion less in 2021, 2022. The average worker is spending 4700 less per person in Manhattan right now. The average worker, 4700 less per person. And according to this Bloomberg report, the ones that are feeling the pinch and the pain the most are the locally owned small businesses and not the chains. Yeah. And the fear that all of us have is this is going to impact the um, locally owned businesses the most where it eviscerates them and we're left with the landscape of just big box brands yeah. that are the same ones you can find in every small town, big town, medium sized town in America. And that's how the character of a community is completely changed. Now, he made a really good thesis or a really good point that it's going to be the neighborhood that could become the new office building, which would be the epicenter of activity or communication, um, the lightning rod of society, is what he's saying. Um, And you very well could be right. You very well could be right. So maybe if you're looking to open these types of businesses, you're not necessarily targeting, oh, there's this amount of people at their desk from nine to six every day. Instead, you'd be targeting, oh, there's this amount of people that live in these houses that are working remotely that are needed going to get out and they're going to go to my place to get a drink or a coffee. So maybe I should open around the neighborhood instead of the office building. Yeah. Or more food, or more food trucks are going to open up keep talking with the uh, the food truck owners 
and, and, and they emphasize constantly the food truck game is a young person's game. It's a challenge, dude. I just, I, we care so much about Charlottesville and we see the corner like before our eyes. Have you been in the corner anytime soon, anytime recent? No, I can't remember the last time I went to the corner. I go but there. I, but I never, I could never stay in the corner anyways. Why? Because it was, again, parking. You go driving around. I don't want to park in the, in the parking garage. Driving around looking for... You can for park a, on West Main and walk down West Main. Well, I, that's fine. I respect, I respect that you don't. I love the corner. That's one of my favorite spots. I mean, yeah. the corner was in part one of the reasons why I went to UVA. Um, I look at it now, I don't recognize it. I go to the corner often. I was at the corner uh, four or five days ago, often. Yeah. Um, and you have businesses that literally have papers on the storefronts. That's you have bad. chains all over the corner that I don't even, I, I'm shocked to say, because when I was in there from 2000, 2004, there were no chains there. Now, off the top of my head, Raising Cane's, Chipotle, Starbucks, Cadoba, just to name a few. Yeah. Colin Jen's gone. Little John's gone. Michael's Bistro's gone. Yeah. Told my dad the other day, Little John's was gone. Almost as if he saw a ghost, how mm. he responded. It's tough, man. And it's, I don't, I don't know if it's going to get better. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to get better. Um, comments coming in, fast and furious. Um, both you guys are right. It's not just high. This is from uh, Christoph Krailson. He says, both of you guys are right. Not only is it hybrid work, but it's inflation. It's the fact that we can barely pay our bills and the dollar's not going as far. And it's also the fact that there's labor shortages. So when you do go to these businesses, you're waiting longer than you did before. Yeah. Oftentimes, we're stuck on set times for lunch. So if we can't get our food and back in under 50 minutes, why go in the first place yeah. instead of just eating at our desk or ordering in? Right. Both right. Yeah, once bitten, twice shy. He, I know what he's talking about. You know, you, you try it one time and it doesn't work, and you're like, well, do I, do I risk it every time I want to go get lunch there? Well, you, that's the point you made with the nook. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I went there at, uh, like, I think just before 3 o'clock and found out that they were closing at 3 and they wouldn't be opening for, for dinner at all. I was just like, okay. I mean, if, I, if I'm ever looking for food on the downtown mall, you know, between whatever, 12 and 3, okay, maybe I'll stop there, but... Am I going to go out of my way to try to hit the downtown mall specifically at a time when I know that a particular place is open? Only if I really want to go there. Hmm. They got to fix that. I mean, I've heard that you, from other people too. How do you fix it? It's, I don't know. I mean, it, how do you fix a labor shortage? How do you fix a labor shortage uh, combined with... You know, not enough customers combined with not enough, enough customers combined with uh, a cost of goods being and inflation and uh, and the after effects of of covid. I'm, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of headwinds for for people that can ill afford them. That's one of the challenging um, aspects of the merchants at dairy market is they're required to stay open. Yeah. 
set hours, even if there's no people there. Yeah. And a lot of the merchants are saying, and I love Dairy Market, and I love ownership of Dairy Market, and I love the stalls of Dairy Market. They've said to me, look, how are we going to stay open? Why should we keep our stalls open if we have no customers there? We're just bleeding payroll. Yeah. But then the owners of the market are saying, you have to keep the stalls open for the times when people come, because if you're closed and there's only two or three open, people are like, what the heck? And this isn't a market back. at all. And then they yeah. won't come back. How do you solve that conundrum? Yeah, I think it's the same thing at the downtown mall. How do you solve it? Uh, I mean, I don't know what you can do. Uh, with, uh, with inflation and recession and everything else, I, you know, I mean, it's almost like you just have to have uh, deep enough pockets to weather the storm. But and none of the small guys do. I know. I'm not saying it's... Uh, and then we're just going to be left with whoever can, has the cash position to withstand the storm. Or... You change it all together and create a business that's not tied to a storefront that can float and go. Or you just wait. Wait until you, know, you hope things will get better and save your... You know, <clears throat> save your war chest for uh, for when it'll actually do you some good. The tough part also is the small businesses we love downtown. A lot of them are old, are owned by an older guard of owners mm-hmm. that aren't innovating at the clip they need to be innovating at. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see somebody just have a business tied to a commissary kitchen. And some fantastic, fantastic uh, ordering infrastructure mm-hmm. that's tied to a phone where someone can put an order in and the food gets delivered immediately to them. Food, bike, scooter, Uber, whatever it may be. Kind of like uh, Dairy Market having one, uh, one delivery provider so that uh, they can basically, you know, they can take... Uh, food orders from any one of the restaurants and say break them down into sectors so you know one car can be taking five orders directly to uh, you know to Stonehenge or to uh, Keswick or to wherever so that they're not you know like we talked about you're not going uh, you're not going around to five restaurants that are each you know three or four miles apart and picking up five different meals and then delivering them to you know, wildly different neighborhoods. Which would make it, the product suffer because by the time it gets to the customers, it's yeah, I think that's cold great, and garbage. I think that's a great idea. In fact, it's, it's almost like something that, uh, that uh, the, uh, the kitchen, what are they calling the kitchen? Uh, the incubator? Yeah, the incubator. It's I mean, crazy that I'm finishing your thoughts here. What if that became, what if that became a place like that where you have, uh, you know, five or ten different menus that you can order from and one delivery service. They tried that, though. Andre tried that with his delivery, food delivery service. We've had restaurants try it, too. It didn't work. I'm not sure we have the density of people to... Manhattan would. Charlottesville doesn't. Well, to say it wouldn't work, I mean, we, we've got delivery going every, all day, every day, right? Well, I meant the type of delivery you were talking about. The type of delivery you're talking about is, is, I like that idea. But do we have enough depth and neighborhood delivery to say this driver's only going to work on that neighborhood? 
Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be this driver is only going to work on that neighborhood. It can just be, uh, <clears throat> it can just be uh, you know, you've got two or three drivers and you split the city into a few different sectors and you do your best to, uh, to organize deliveries uh, based on time and, uh, and location. Carol Thorpe says, my husband and I pulled up to the Aberdeen barn for dinner a week ago on Sunday at 7. I checked online to verify their hours before I left home, which said they would be open until 9. When we arrived, the restaurant was pitch dark with no note on the door. It was Sunday at 7 p.m. Yeah, and she probably is not going to go back to that. I've had some issues with that. and I think Other people have. My think, wife had this Sunday. I think part of the problem is that they are starting to change hours and just nobody is, they're not doing a good job of updating their branding. They're not. Their digital good, hours. Yeah. Updating their hours on Google. Yeah. And we do that for our clients. There's now so many spots that people are looking for schedules and hours online that changing your hours takes literally work for you to update all the spots online uh, where those hours are posted. Because now you're changing it on Facebook, changing it on your Google profile, you're changing it on your website, whether you did a graphic or a piece of artwork with your hours on Instagram, stories. There's so many spots for where you to change where, where you post your hours now that if you ever had to change them, it's very difficult to do. Yeah. Very difficult to do. Um, I want to pass a couple of firsthand experiences before I head to my two o'clock meeting. Um, I went to Patch Brewery on Saturday. Andre Xavier and John Craig spot. Yeah. Guys, Patch is awesome. If you haven't been to Patch Brewery in Gordonsville, um, you're missing a really good family area. It, mm. the, the, the building is a hold, I think it was an old VFW, uh, Veterans of Foreign War. Sounds um, about right. An old VFW hall. Um, it's large. It's spacious. They have plenty of outdoor space. There's a baseball field. There's a playground. They have a, 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 a second building that can accommodate people. They have a stage for bands. They have plenty of parking. Clay, who, who you know, beer heads will know from Draft Tap Room. Clay is the guy behind the bar. I think he's the general manager of, of uh, Patch. Hmm. They got a really good spot. My wife and I and our two sons, we sat on a couch in front of the TV. We had a sampler and a couple of drafts, and we watched some basketball games and just had a great time. Then we ended up going to the Ice House in Gordonsville. You'll appreciate this. They've pretty much in person done a good job of removing Champion from the Ice House restaurant. Mm-hmm. Now it's just called the Ice House. Yeah. There was not a single Champion beer on the menu. Um, the branding is changing slowly. The food was great. We got the family meal. It was like 34 bucks. Had like eight pieces of chicken. Three nice. large sides, four biscuits. It was just dynamite. The mac Sounds and good. cheese at, at um, Ice House was some of the best mac and cheese I've ever had. Mm. It was that mac and cheese that was like loaded with cheese with the noodles. And it was like a little like crunchy and crusty, the cheese on the noodles. Mm. It was so good. We had the cheesy grits, which were good. And we had the mashed potatoes. Gordonsville is turned into this. It's turned into a destination. It's funny to say that with Gordonsville. Gordonsville has turned into a, an experience and a dining and drinking destination. Um, if you have yet to go to Gordonsville, I would encourage you to do so. Well-hung Vineyards, front of the program, Neil Williamson's got a spot there. 
Craig's opening another restaurant. He's going to have three. He'll have the barbecue exchange. He'll have the the ice house. And then the third restaurant, which is about to open. He is undoubtedly the mayor of Gordonsville. Well, Jamie Turner is the mayor of Gordonsville. Why don't we call Craig Hartman the king of Gordonsville? Um, it was great. It was a great family experience. Two or three other items out of the notebook. Um, for those that are uh, watch the UVA-Duke basketball game, look, UVA got the win. To marginalize this victory in any capacity is absurd to me. Duke, so many times in the course of Duke being Duke, has had games influenced by the referees just because it said Duke on their jersey. Now Tony Bennett is the elder statesman, and he got some home cooking. He got some home cooking. Did the kid from Duke get fouled at the end? Yes, he got fouled. The ACC issued a statement after the game, and they said the referees made a mistake on the call. It happens. It's basketball. But if the game comes down to a referee making a decision then win, lose, or draw, you didn't put yourself in a position to win the contest because you used a, a third part to determine the outcome of the contest. Okay? Virginia's in first place right now, a tie for first place. I think this team is still a Final Four team. I think Tony Bennett's got a really good ball club right here that's still finding itself. Um, and as they do find themselves, they're only going to get better and better and better. Two more items. Sam Brunel is done for the year with a foot injury. She's the Virginia basketball player from Greene County, started at Notre Dame, then transferred to Charlottesville to finish her career at UVA. The positive thing is she's going to come back for a fifth year. She's done this year, but she's going to come back for a fifth year. And Rondé Barber, the Virginia football great, was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, I remember touring the University of Virginia before my first year. My dad took my brother and I and my mom into the McIntyre School of Commerce where they had all the concentrations at the McIntyre School of Commerce and the salaries they were earning that year on average. And at the bottom of that um, chart on the wall, there was an asterisk that said, this does not include Rondé or Tiki Barber that signed multi-million dollar contracts in the National Football League. Today, Rondé Barber is an NFL Hall of Famer, and he's earned it, and he's deserved it. So props to Rondé on that honor. Um, tomorrow's show... I'm going to continue some of this topic tomorrow. How do we support the small business owner at a time in this world that's changing so fast that we don't even know what the end of the year is going to look like from a consumer habits standpoint? We'll have that topic and conversation on tomorrow's show. For Judah Wickhauer, I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seawall Show.